Marky Worthington podcast all day. All day. Dream by night. <laughs> Don't buy me a drink. Just give me 10 bucks. <laughs> all day. <laughs> Go down to the strip club with your floppy disk and turn it into a hard drive. Yeah, right. You'll get fucking thrown out by Big Tony. <laughs> We're here to name names and make people feel more ashamed for shit that they're not proud of. Don't blow it. Keep it simple. Count your money. No, whatever it is. We're here with uh, Danielle Dropbear Curtis. That's it. That's the one. Back again. A repeat offender on the show. Um, yeah, good to have you back. We covered off heaps in the last episode. Um, I think there was actually a couple of things we didn't get to. I've made a mental note, you know, like <laughs> it's like when you when you play like a really big map game, you need to remember like which parts you need to go back to for the side That's quests. It. That's it. Get those side quests in. We want 100 percent. 100% the podcast. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, it's good. It's good to have you back. You're. Um, this is in the eve of of big fight tomorrow. Big fight tomorrow. Weigh-ins tonight. So keen to get them done and um, go eat some food. That's exciting. Um, gonna head to Grease Monkey. Get some burgers. I think. Yeah, nice. I just want the salt, the salty goodness. <laughs> just need that. Yeah, I just need some salt. <laughs> I, I feel like um, isn't. Uh, so part of cutting weight is is a lot of water weight, right? Like it's heavily water based. Yeah, it depends how you're going. Like obviously you can do a long slow cut and and that, but um, the last part of it is always going to be that water manipulation, which is essentially dehydration. But there's a lot more to it than just the water. In, in terms of um, like the last sort of week or so, you're uh, manipulating a number of things. So glycogen, um, sodium. Um, to fiber so you want to do a low residue diet which is basically low fiber because fiber takes a long time to break down so it sits in your stomach for a long time yep. so it's just basically dead weight so obviously eating low fiber or no fiber is not good long term yeah yeah um, but for a couple of days you can move a fair bit of weight especially depending on you know your size and then also if you generally eat a fair bit of fiber, like that you can, some of the bigger guys drop a couple of kilos just from that. that. Um, And then sort of same with obviously dropping your water weight prior to that, we actually load, we water load and drink a whole bunch of water um, to get a few adaptations in the body um, to to make it operate a certain way and actually um, believe that it's super hydrated when you do go to go into that cut and you we do like heat acclimation so whatever method that you're going to cut your weight in whether that's heat baths or saunas or sauna suit or whatever we could try and do that a few times when we're hydrated and and water loading and drinking lots of water throughout the week in the lead up so your body gets used to it mentally you get used to it again because they are really tough um that's probably the hardest part of fighting is the weight cut specifically that end part um and also so everybody gets used to sweating and it's, you know, you can sort of measure your sweat rate and um, have a pretty good idea of what you're going to need to do on weigh-in day, which is today for me. I don't yep. have too much to do. So that'll be sort of later today and then on to weigh-in. So I'll only be like that really um, dehydrated only for a very small amount of time. Yep. Um, and then which makes it easier to rehydrate as well. Yeah. So it's all science-based and stuff and i actually have a dietitian it's the dojo dietitian and he operates um as part of the group underneath the fight dietitian which is um basically he's really well known for um doing all the the work with all the ufc fighters over this side of the world so um like australia new zealand but also when they've held events over this side you know uh, his team help out with a lot of them and obviously a lot of local fighters and and Mm -hmm. They also do not just weight cutting and stuff um, for competition, but obviously a lot of like jujitsu and wrestling athletes um, as well. And then they also have people who are just either, you know, any other kind of athlete or just general people that want help with nutrition. Yep. And yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So working with someone and giving someone else that responsibility and, you know, if you have any worries and reaching out to them. But yeah, it's all sort of science based. A lot of things you manipulate. To make weight safely or the, as safe as you possibly can. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so we're talking in the previous episode about some of the risks involved in, in dehydration and weight cutting. Like, um, and it seems like it's a fairly, um, it's a fairly uh, sort of risky um thing to do if you don't know how to do it the right way yeah a lot of people generally learn and get on the 
the right path yep. by having done the wrong thing. <laughs> yep. um, I'm one of them. I reckon I got pretty close to dying from making weight one time. Yep. Um, what was the weight difference there? You said in the previous episode, but in the... when, when So when I <clears throat> did it the wrong way and yep. um, I had a lot of things go wrong in the lead up to, like I had injuries and stuff, so yep. I wasn't able to shift as much weight. But... Um, so I had an eight-week camp, so I had eight weeks, and at the beginning of the eight weeks, I was nearly 80 kilos, and yep. I weighed in at 63. Yeah, that's crazy. Eight weeks, and I probably that's... did close to seven kilos in two days, which Ooh. is, for me, like, maybe different for a heavyweight who's 110 kilos, but, yep. like, seven kilos for someone that's going to be weighing in at 63 yep. is, like, a very large percentage of your, like, body mass, and... Um, yeah, I wrecked my body for quite a fair bit of time doing that. Um, and, yeah, it was terrible and I couldn't rehydrate properly. I just couldn't. So yeah. I didn't even sleep the yeah. night before the fight because I was trying to drink water every hour to yeah. try and... Trying to just get back to hydration. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you are saying that it was um, a, a tough time. Um, for people that don't know the brackets, what uh, weight class do you fight in and what's the bracket of weight for yeah. that class? So for MMA is a bit different to all the other combat sports. So boxing, kickboxing, Muay Thai, K1, they all kind of have um, weight divisions every sort of five pounds, every couple of kilos, so yep. like two to three kilos. MMA, unfortunately, has massive jumps and... The higher up the weight divisions you go, the bigger the jumps are. So they're usually between sort of five to seven kilos. But then as you get higher up into like middleweight to then lightweight, uh, sorry, light heavyweight and heavyweight, you're, you know, sometimes getting 20 kilo weight differences or something like that. So it's huge. Yeah, right. Um, obviously, so I am fighting this weekend um, and planning on fighting, um, you know, for the foreseeable future at Bantamweight, which is 61.2 kilos. Um, but I had been uh, previously fighting at featherweight, which was sixty, which is the next weight division, yep. which is sixty five point eight. So you've got like sixty one, and then basically nearly sixty six. Yeah. So if you are walking around in peak condition yep. at like sixty seven, or you know, do you just walk into a fight at sixty six and not do anything, and yeah. then have people who are mid seventies that you're fighting? Yeah, yeah. Or do you go down to sixty one? Yeah. Um, and so I guess that's the kind of thing. But what happens if you naturally, at peak athletic performance, you sit at 63 or 64, mm. you know? Like, there's a big difference. And they don't necessarily sit the weight divisions at the common body types either yeah. or common weights. So yeah. you pretty much, everyone everyone cuts pretty much. Yeah. Um, how much you decide to and how far you go, like you really should be investing in professionals and, and testing and, you know, um, to decide that. Yep. But obviously there is always a trade-off. So, you know, cool, you might be bigger than someone and rehydrate, but you've been killing yourself to make it. So how good is your performance really going to be? Yeah. So you really do need to find that um, middle ground mm -hmm. to to find where you're going to perform the best. Um, and, you know, you may not have advantages over every opponent because there's so many different body shapes and styles, especially with women. Like, it's just crazy. So, you know, you've got to be more strategic in terms of maybe your game plan in, in your style and, and what you're good at. Um, yep. But, yeah, there's definitely a lot of science and a lot of stuff you've got to do to sort of find out where is going to be the right weight division for you. Hmm. Um, and that's why it's probably less common to see double champs and virtually almost unheard of, of triple weight division champs in MMA, whereas in boxing we see people jump between the two weight divisions constantly and potentially three. Sometimes over a career you've got people going four, five, six different yep. weight divisions that they've competed in yep. and, and all that kind of stuff, which is obviously quite rare in MMA because it's such a big jump and because of it being a bigger jump, um, you know that if you're like quite comfortable in one division, you decide to go up to challenge for, you know, a second belt or, or whatever it may be, you've got to remember that they're not just that jump bigger. They're not just that five kilos bigger because they're going to be cutting down from much bigger. So they're potentially 10, 15 kilos. Yeah, so yeah. It is, it's a big jump. Yeah. 
like I know five kilos when you talk about it to people doesn't seem like much, but mm. when you're talking, you know, 50s and 60 kilo people um we're at peak athleticism yeah yeah to then strip another five kilos off them somewhere is is massive Mm. yeah yeah it's like a larger percentage of their total yeah yeah yeah, their body mass and i mean like if you're looking at some of the, the guys at the top level like they don't they're already muscular but they're already low body fat like where else are you going to take this from? You yeah. Have to stop, start chopping limbs off kind of thing. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it's interesting because there's, um, like, quite a lot of people in the men's because of the common body type between 155. So prior to that, they all go up in sort of 10. So you've got straw weight, which is 115 pounds, uh, fly weight, which is 125, and weight, which is 135. So yep. that's the one that's 61.2. Yeah. Featherweight is 145, which is your 65.8, but then it starts jumping. So then we're going to go from 155 all the way to 170. Yeah, right. Um, And so there's a lot of people that performance isn't great at 155 because they're killing themselves to make it. Yep. And then you've got all they go and fight at 170, and they're just so much smaller. So, again, their performance, like, they feel good, but their performance in terms of against their opponents aren't great. But if they had a 160 or 165 division, you'd have – this whole range of fighters that are so good that could be champions, but because they're stuck there, yep. like their, their body just doesn't allow them, like they have the potential to be champions and would have probably better fights if there was a 160 or 165. Yeah, position. right. I, I follow a few like powerlifters on Instagram and I hear them talk about the weight classes in powerlifting. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting to hear, like, uh, hear similar sort of issues in in other sports as well uh yeah. follow a female power lift power lifter that's gone up a weight class yeah that found because of the the sport found that they performed better yeah yeah in a higher weight class um and was able to like start getting um, better training because they weren't focusing on weight cutting they were yeah. focusing on like training that performance and that yeah. yeah yeah your end goal and that's the thing i think that's the thing that people lose sight of in in weight-based sports in general they're going well i need that advantage i need to be bigger i need to be you know um cutting and whatever but if you're doing that all the time and your only goal is to make weight you've got to remember that's your only goal your goal you've lost sight of the goal which is you want to win the fight or you mm. want to progress your career or you want to get better at this that and, and whatever else yep. making weight's one component of it and that's why you should really see a professional to help you decide and figure things out and use science and take a bit of that stress off yep. but also you're not adequate adequately fueling yourself for those sessions yep. so your sessions and your training in the lead up are crap like mm. and mm. then and then you expect to just because you're taller or longer or physically a little bit bigger yep. to be able to perform better than someone else. Well, not really. If they've been eating great and they're performing really well and they're super hydrated and they've got clear thinking because, you know, when you're dehydrated, you can't take as much damage. You know, you're probably not thinking great. You got, might have slower reactions, you know, all of those kind of things as well. But even just the mental and physical fatigue that you would be feeling in all of your training in the lead up to the fight, like it's not it's not worth it yeah obviously some people can get away with it for a while but uh, i mean at, at some point in time you're going to miss weight or you're not going to make the weigh-ins because your body shuts down on you or whatever or eventually you're going to have to go up anyway you know yep. some something like that's going to happen um and i really think that in mma i would love to see in the future that there be more weight divisions um because that really is that deciding factor a lot of the time is that they don't want to be in this one that they're walking around close to because they're going to be smaller than all the massive people who are cutting down um so then they kill themselves to make the the next weight you know i think that's the only way that we combat people missing weight and and you know all the the issues around weight cutting because that's where you see people die or per se people get really injured or yep. wreck their bodies it's not so much in the cage it's 
it's this lead side up, of it. Lead yeah, up to it, yeah. Yeah, and I mean long-term damage to your body and yep. stuff too, so... Yeah. Have you, um, in in your experience, have you ever fought someone that you knew was going down a weight class and you felt like that they didn't perform to the full um, potential just by, by like, within within the fight, you could tell that they were kind of holding back or were distracted? Have I fought someone? Yeah. It's hard. I, I definitely fought someone sort of, like, the opposite, like, they were probably a little bit small for the the weight division like i was definitely bigger than them yeah um i've definitely also fought a fight um where they were so much bigger than me yeah um but that was also got to do with the promotion and them changing it from a normal weight division to oh we're not going to weight cut now so now you can weigh in five to six to seven kilos heavier and i wasn't aware of that until like a week or two before yeah yeah so i mean but i don't know about definitely i don't 100 percent know if any of my opponents have done a huge huge cut no um yeah yeah i mean like i haven't personally but i've obviously seen a lot of ones like you can tell when that was the second part yeah yeah you know struggling to stand up and yeah. you know all of those so you've of seen that sort of stuff like just being not necessarily an opponent but just someone in the in the scene yeah 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 wow. yeah the hap- like it happens at the the highest level it happens in the ufc all the yeah time. yeah you know, it happens um all the time you'll see people struggling to even step on the scales um you know and you're like how are you gonna rehydrate and fight someone yeah them? yeah you know um and a lot of people end up getting pulled from the fight that day before when they're weight cutting, you know, trying to make weigh-ins, that's when a fight sometimes will get pulled because they have to go to hospital. Yeah. They haven't done it right and they're trying to cut outrageous amounts. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... That's crazy. Yeah, and it happens all the time. Um, so how far out from a fight do you usually say, like in your in your experience, has been a good time to start cutting? So actually cutting the water part or like manipu- starting to manipulate your weight? Manipulate your weight. So pretty much as soon as I get a fire offer, yep. I'll be talking with my dietitian. Like I'm talking with my dietitian all the time. Yep. So, and I think that's the best way to go about it rather than going, oh, I've been given this fight i'm going to work specifically for that well no i want to be peak performance i want to be recovering the best that i can i want to be sleeping the best that i can and i want to be good all year round um so that and my goals always be well i want to be fighting at this weight class so outside of competition i want to be no more than sort of this you know and speaking with my dietitian about those things and then goals so then if you get a short notice fight and stuff like that you know exactly where you are if you've done weight cuts and made weight with your dietitian before then we know how your body responds what way you like to cut what kind of foods you respond really well to and and what that breakdown is and then you're just manipulating it's not completely redoing everything yeah um so to be ready all the time you should really be you know and it's not saying you're on a diet all the time yeah but it also they help you understand sort of how to eat or performance they're not necessarily telling you what to eat but even just sort of like the components sort of if you go this much protein and sort of this much fat and this much you know carbs or yep. other you know um and then you can have your time off and stuff that where you go well after this fight i'm going to take a week and do what i want yeah you're also not being restricted and like the dietitian that i work with and like that team yeah they ask you all those questions they don't just track your food and your weight they'll track your sleep your stress like for female athletes obviously menstruation and stuff as well um hydration they'll talk to you about sups and that kind of stuff but they actually ask you what kind of food you like to eat yeah and they try and structure your food or give you options to eat the kind of food that you like eating but just making it sort of hitting the kind of macros that you need to be yep. so like i'm a very savory person so okay. my plan my dietitian gave me a lot more sort of like where some people like sweets and smoothies and that kind of stuff mine was more like things kind of like tacos or burritos or like um, pizza yeah yeah yeah. you know things like that um so they so that you don't ever feel like you need to go out and binge a crazy amount like you just work the kind of things and there's never any 
it's not bad to go and eat with your friends out or anything like yeah. that. It just shows you how to manipulate everything else. So I kind of try and work with trying to stay in touch with him all the time. Um, but obviously, whenever I get an offer, I'll go to him and go, this is what it is. It'll yep. be this. And so when you weigh in on shows, generally, there's also a weight allowance. Okay. And that's to do with, obviously, different scales read differently mm -hmm. um and so in the ufc you would know that there's always a one pound allowance so yep. obviously we don't work in pounds so some shows it'll be so it can be anywhere from like 300 grams to 500 grams usually yeah um so for tonight's one um there's a 500 gram allowance so the weight division is limit is 61.2 with the 500 gram allowance on their weighing scale you just have to be 61.7 or below okay um so yeah you 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 go through that with your dietitian but also whether it's the same day weigh-in for something like a wrestling comp or jiu-jitsu um some boxing shows have same day weigh-ins um or whether it's 24 hours like what it is pretty much all mma shows are 24 hours hmm. so that also plays a big role because if it's same day we don't want to be doing that acute dehydration yeah um we would still look at some of the other stuff like water loading and maybe the the low fiber yep. to, to move that kind of weight and um salt manipulation that kind of stuff but um those are more for your 24 hour wanes because we can manipulate a lot more we can do you know saunas and heat heat baths and that kind of stuff so you can go a fair quite a lot if you've got say like an eight eight weeks so like it'd be quite happy they don't like us cutting so um sort of more than in that acute bit sort of more than five percent of your body weight yep. but that's just because they like to do a very safe way if they have athletes that they know can do it and say you know they're in the ufc and they're fighting for a belt or you know big money or something like that and they know that they can handle it and that kind of stuff they may do you know up to 10 percent um possibly more but they don't really um yeah want to do those kind of things yeah okay. because you're also paying them for a service to keep you healthy and safe yeah yeah so they'll tell you if they don't they're like no i don't think that's achievable right from the get-go um so they're very upfront um but yeah so you'll generally be, be slowly cutting like as in just normal diet so yep. that you're losing weight and you're becoming quite lean losing body fat trying to maintain your muscle high protein all that kind of stuff with your training um and then yeah that last week is your um water loading and we're obviously manipulating glycogen um sodium you know we're, we're not having sugar or salt basically mm -hmm. or very little carbs yep. we still have carbs but they're all really fast burning ones low fiber and that gets rid of a lot of weight as it is and through the water loading it'll make your um like acute like water loss easier mm -hmm. And then whatever you've got left is going to be sauna or bath or sweatsuit. And, yeah, they they like it to be 5% or under of your body, your total body mass. Yeah. So just to be super safe. Yeah, yeah. They know you're going to rehydrate effectively, you're going to be able to perform really well. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what you're kind of looking at. Yeah, nice. How are we looking for tomorrow? You said that you'd um, you got the way in tonight. Yeah. How, how's things all lining up? Yeah, really, really good. This camp's been, like, really good. Uh, um, like, training's really good. Um, obviously, weight has been really good. This will be my first fight at Bantam. I've been wanting to go down to Bantam weight for ages. Um, but, yeah, everything's on track. It's been really, really good. Um, I'm feeling really good, feeling really strong. Um, it, easy weight cut. Like yeah. I said, get a professional. It makes your life so much less stressful and just so easy um you can ask them any questions um so i haven't got much to go yeah like obviously i'm here on weigh-in day so i can't be too stressed about yeah, it yeah 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 exactly <laughs> was, um yeah I was, I was thinking about like normally if i have a podcast guest i'm like you know trying to work out uh, what i want to drink do you want food all that sort of stuff you, easy. you've been <laughs> easy yeah it's just easy just need uh just need a mic and get into it um, but yeah, we you uh, you spoke in the previous podcast about um, about well, no, you, you we were talking earlier about um, different promotion um, 
strategies and like not knowing some of the behind the scenes stuff you know last minute changing you know the weight sort of thing and we didn't speak about it in the last podcast but it was on the agenda we just didn't get to it because you know how how we get <laughs> but um something i wanted to ask about was like have you ever had any like sort of experiences with promotion that that were just sort of not not like the best for the for your you know introduction to the world yep yep so the one where they changed the the weight yeah considerably yeah so basically it was meant to be a featherweight fight 65.8 and then they went oh we're gonna do a no cutting thing because it's safer but didn't tell me until or my coach until um you know, a week or two out, so I weighed in fully hydrated at 66, and my opponent weighed in at 70 something, 71 or 72. Yeah, and they had like it was pretty obvious that they had cut as well, so they obviously knew. Hmm. Um, but that that's life, like learning experience. You know, it is what it is. Still got to fight. Yeah, whatever. Um, but like. That would turn me off ever going back to the promotion. That promotion doesn't exist anymore anyway. Yeah. So I think there was a few other issues. Um, but there are some promotions that really just set people up. Like they favor, obviously, the old everyone favors up. their own fighters. Yeah. But I mean, and it's not always necessarily the promotion or the matchmaker. Sometimes it's the, the coaches on the other end who are trying to handpick fights. So they'll say, you know, Oh, I've got a fighter. This will be his debut in MMA. Never fought in MMA before. Um, and he's a white belt in jiu-jitsu. What he's not telling you is he's had 20 kickboxing fights and he's, you know, competed, you know, in Commonwealth Games in wrestling or something yep. like that. Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, so the promotion, if they are not one to go and do further research because, you know, you're, you're reaching out to these gyms and stuff, so you're going to match that person with someone who this is literally their first ever fight. Yeah, yeah. Experience. So that doesn't work very well for anyone involved because that person may get beaten really badly and decide, I don't want to ever do this again. Or, yep. you know, then that gym may feel like they don't want to be on that promotion anymore because they got stitched up. Yep. But so sometimes it can come from the promotion, the promoter, taking yep. looking after their people. But sometimes it's also that they're just trying to match make and the coaches of gyms and stuff will just tell them what they want to tell them. Yeah. You know? So you've always got to be careful and you've got to have a good coach and good team and know that they're looking out for you when you're sort of matchmaking and stuff, especially when you start, um, you know, to maybe have a little bit of a look into the other opponents and yeah. stuff. Just make sure that if you do a quick search for them, you know, you don't see them, you know. Kickboxing world champions. Yeah. 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 They've already got a belt in yeah. some other sport. So. In MMA, that's a big thing that happens all the time. Yeah, right. Uh, if you're a pro in MMA and you decide you want to go to boxing, you have to be pro. Boxing will make you go pro. Hmm. So the other combat sports care. If you pro in the other one, you have to be pro. Unfortunately, MMA, specifically within Australia at the moment, Combat Sports Authority doesn't have anything in place. So you could literally be a world champion in another one of the other sports. Different and come discipline, over yeah. And, and and be a professional athlete yeah. and being having gotten paid and experience and you can come in as an amateur which is really frustrating um obviously a lot of people if they have the the status yeah from another one like you could imagine someone like floyd mayweather would never go and have an amateur mma fight yeah and he's the kind of person that like they okay, wouldn't be able to pay him enough in, <laughs> yeah, yeah i know he's not in australia yeah. um but like someone of that kind of notoriety yep. probably would never ever go into amateur and they probably would pull someone like that up but for everyone else um yeah there's nothing stopping you from being a pro boxer or a pro muay thai kickboxer yeah, right. and going and going well i haven't had an ami if i haven't had an mma fight i'll go ami mm. which is you know pretty yeah it seems unfair yeah, yeah yeah um obviously there are some experienced amateurs in mma out there um that it, that obviously take those fights and stuff like that so yeah. you know it is what it is um but yeah always making sure that you do do your research yeah um and then yeah i mean at the end of the day i think that's more the thing that you need to look at what rules because 
it doesn't matter what the show is. It more matters what the amateur body um, is that provides the officials um, for that show. So Combat Sports Authority runs is the over arching thing in australia but underneath that there's a whole bunch of amateur bodies so there's like massa amassa wkbf like and all of them um have a different version of the rules and different classes of rules and then they're also different between states yeah you always need to be making sure with your promoter and your matchmaker okay which one of the rule sets are we fighting under can i do this can i do that can't i do this you know yeah okay which can be really frustrating just all like being you know open with communication it sounds like yeah yeah. um which isn't always the case by the sounds of it yeah it was yeah it's hard so like i always will ask i'm like can you give me a copy of the rules yeah or i'll be like you know what can and can't you do um you know which which amateur body or who's officiating this because the the promotions may not always use the same one. So you yep. can't sort of take it for granted. Oh, I fought on that show before and it was this rules, you know, because the last thing you'd want to do is get DQ'd for something. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that can be a big frustration point. And just, yeah, generally matchmaking is the biggest frustration for everyone. Yeah. And it can be a promotion's fault, but most of the time it's also the actual gyms and coaches and and teams sort of withholding information so, okay you know no one wants to see just a two second like and you don't yeah. yeah because yeah. you know it's not good for the sport it's like as cool as it is if you're that person's friends yeah everyone else is like oh well i've just watched five fights in it like 20 minutes yeah yeah you know that's not what you really want to see anyway you want to see competitive fights so yeah no i get it like when it's more evenly matched which is why it just seems to make sense to have like all the rules and regs yeah other than that like promotions are pretty stock standard just keep checking for questions to see yeah. if anyone's just randomly like <laughs> talking shit or something <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no that's good it's good to uh yeah it's good to hear some of the inner workings because a lot of the time um what we see on like as far as fights go is just like the tip of the iceberg it's the very end of it yeah because yeah, all of this stuff goes on well and truly before um before you ever get there like fight day is the easy part yeah um and like obviously if you too, did it right leading up to yeah, fight yeah, day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well it's the fun part yeah, yeah. um <laughs> yeah but you know also things like um when you go when you're pro and stuff obviously negotiating pay and fights and and sort of um accommodation and stuff when you when you're traveling if you live where the show is and all that kind of stuff as well so they're the other things that you take into account as well like there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes um and if you know people pull out or get injured and trying to replace fights and you know where you are on a card and all of that kind of stuff as well so yeah there's a lot lot involved yeah it's a bit like with um like with comedy the whole like what you do on stage is just like it's a lot of it um but writing can like and and rehearsing and all that sort of stuff it goes like it completely changes the outcome of of everything if only they had like the the crossover um classes for comedy like if you're like a famous actor you have to go you have to go into like the pro comedy scene like, you can't yeah. just go in as, as yeah. an Emmy. <laughs> like, so many people will, like, get to the top of comedy because they were doing something else before. Yeah, yeah. Like, it'll be, like, come and... They've got that, that yeah. in base, I guess. Like, like for example, for example, like, um, I know there's a lot of people that have done, like, spoken word tours, which is essentially, like, comedy. But yeah. just because they're, like, a, like a famous singer or, like a, like, a famous actor or something, they just go straight to, like, sold-out shows. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, like, straight into, like, the pro level. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, a lot of it goes into it. And, and also, like, I, I know for a fact with comedy, like, it's easy to get stitched up. Like, you can go... Because the thing is, it's something you want to do as like a passion, right? Like, yeah. like, and, and like, like yourself as well. Like, it's obviously something that you're doing like as a passion, not just like because oh, it pays the bills. Um, it does not pay the bills. Yeah. <laughs> 
is like myself i like often say that like oh yeah comedy pays the bills like it doesn't but yeah. um if it did that would be the like That'd primo the yeah that's the dream right it's getting to the point where like your hobby is like uh, it pays you enough money so that you don't need a like source of income from another another direction yeah um, your passion but yeah it's so easy to get stitched up because what you are do what you you want to take a gig because you really want to like you know Whole shit. That opportunity yeah, like I've never worked. People. Yeah, I've yeah. never worked that room. I don't know that town. I don't know what that crowd's like. I would love to go there and do comedy, right? Yeah. Um, and then you don't talk about pay. You don't talk about anything. You just it's because you you're so green. Like so many people will just be like, "Man, I'll just do it." And then they rock up and they're like, "Oh, did you think you were getting paid for this shit?" Like, and if, you're like, "Now I'm out of pocket. Where am I staying? Yeah. I don't know, what am I doing?" Problem, and, yeah. and and the thing is like. Look, to be fair, if you're doing, like, an opening spot for, like, a big comedian somewhere, whatever, yeah. fair enough. Most of the time, you just assume you're not going to get paid for it, yeah. right? But um, I think that sometimes bad promoters uh, um, either hope that you, like, don't ask. Yeah, yeah. Or they um, will just... Um, not be open that there is no pay like yeah, if i if i ever, that. Yeah. if the way i look at it is if there's money coming in it needs to go out so like if i've if i'm doing a free open mic mm. the assumption is there's no pay for that right yeah. because it's free entry open mic it's an open mic so the material is all like um raw like rough yeah. material it's not perfected or anything although some people like to rock up to an open mic and do the same shit that they've been doing for like four years and they like oh do their like tested shit right yeah it's just like dude have you try something you haven't done before yeah, yeah. this is literally the, it's the for test that. audience like yeah, yeah. It's perfect yeah so that's how i look at it is like it's a free open mic there's no money coming in that's why i don't have a budget for money to go out yeah yeah but if i charge entry on a show even if it's like a 10 dollar entry show or like up to 20 whatever yeah um and i've got like openers on that show yeah i will always either tell them there's no money um, no pay for this but you know there's something like you know if there's like a, a tab or whatever get some drinks have some food i'll yeah, be yeah. up front with that it's like yeah you're either gonna get like a meal and a drink or the money that a meal and a drink costs like yeah. you choose what you want to do with it um but i'm up front with that a lot of the yeah. time and i think you're gonna get better quality like from that like people and performances trust and trust well. yeah and then like that's going to form those relationships for, for later on if you are you know booking them for for paid stuff yeah. or you know either which way maybe they've got something and you know they hear about a gig yeah you know they return the favor and let you know about it but being up front you know it gives you those expectations and you know so I think that's definitely the good way to go. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's the way to go, and I think that um, sometimes, yeah, sometimes it's just like I said, even if there's no budget, I I don't mind if there's no money. Yeah, I just want to know I if there's. Know. It it goes back to to like my like, um, sort of the way I run it. I get frustrated if other people wouldn't do the same yeah. way. So it's yeah. like they don't know, but I'm frustrated yeah. about something and I don't because I don't like convey that to them. It's just like some some weird thing. It's just like, you know, I might hate someone with a passion, but they don't even fucking know it. So um, <laughs> and it's just because they like put on a gig that was like a $20 entry gig. Yeah. I do a five minute opener and they're just like, oh, okay. See you. Thanks Bye. for that. It's just like, like uh so many times I've done a gig and just been like, hey, uh, before I go, man, I was just wondering, I oh, know it's okay if there is no money, but is there any money for this? Like, it's just yeah. like, I don't want to be the fucking one that's like, can I, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I always feel awkward. I, I don't see how it's like any different to any other job, like, at all. Yeah, in, like, if you don't saying, get paid like, in, I want to know what, yeah. what's up front. Because, yeah. I mean, you look at people who maybe like let's say like photography or whatever yeah it's heaps of times people go oh yeah you can come and photograph this 
event mm. for me, you know. It's good for you and experience or whatever, you know, not that that's... Yeah, you can't know, you know, pay rent. But, yeah. but, like, at least they know up front that it's like, okay, well, we're not paying you. If you want to do this, that would be great. Or maybe we can swing you, you know... Something. Something. Yeah, but at least you know and then it's up to you to decide... If you're okay with that, if you have the time, if it's not going to cost you too much, or if it is, you weigh up the pros and the cons of the opportunity versus, you know, risk versus reward, I guess. Yeah. Um, because it could be something that might have a lot more exposure than something that you're getting paid a small amount for, yeah. you know, so then you can weigh that up. Yeah, I get it. And it's up to you, I guess. So if you're up front and they say, no, I don't want to, then, you know, that's fine. Yeah. No, I totally get it. The best part about this, I've had you on the podcast now twice and never once told you whether you're getting paid for it. Like, it's just fucking, yeah. you're like, I just realized I'm my own fucking How worst. Yeah, you. I'm the worst type of person. I'll, like, literally get you on here to do that just to bitch about myself and not know about it. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out I'm my own worst enemy. <laughs> oh. So, um... It's okay if there isn't any. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I just need to be a bit of fucking upfront about it. I get it. It's all good. I, I look. Um, well, normally I would just pay in a meal or a drink, but because I can't oh, actually offer you I'll that, I'll be back tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> back tomorrow, like after the weigh-ins done, you'll eat me out of fucking house and home just yeah, to make yeah. it even. Yeah, that's it. Uh, that would be my biggest thing. Would be like trying not to do that. Like, yeah. if, like it would be so hard to like not just after not eating for so long, or like not eating everything you wanted to eat for so long to not just go fucking psycho like but that's why that like that's why for the majority of it like yes i'm eating specific amounts of stuff at sort of certain times and stuff but still eating things that i enjoy eating or versions of or or whatever um right up until sort of this very pointy end whereas if it was literally I don't know, chicken and broccoli or something the whole time, then yes, I would. But they, they also look at the psychology of it. Yeah. So when you start doing like a restricted kind of diet and stuff, yep. the psychology behind it is, and a lot of fighters end up having not an eating disorder as in like anorexia or bulimia, but like the associated mental yep. relationship with food, very similar to a, an eating disorder or... Yep. or um. Well, eating because, disorder ranges so far. Like yeah. eating too much is a disorder. Like, but just the the, the very similar um, mental like state, mental and like ideas and relationship with food and stuff. Yeah. Um, and it, it comes from a lot of that whole "I always need to make weight" mentality when you're not necessarily looking at performance. Um, and you know, weight-based sports, you got to weigh yourself all the time, and yep. that's one of those things. You see, it go up, you go down. You need to realise whether you're doing it at the same time of the day. Well, you know, for females, you know, where you are in your cycle can dramatically change it. So you'll see weight do all kinds of things. You need to be mentally okay with that. So they also kind of figure out what their athletes are like. Whether and a lot of them will be like, we're only checking it once a week, yep. and then sort of you know as you get closer towards the end we may have to like we're going to have to check it every day um and then potentially when you're doing your your weight cuts and stuff you're doing it constantly um but like they take into account that kind of stuff too which is why they ask you what kind of things you like to eat so you're not because as soon as you start thinking that you're on like a, a diet or restriction you know and they if you say to them look i love chocolate and i need to have a bit of it then they will just be like okay yeah. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to program that in there that you can have a small mm. amount of chocolate and yep. the kind that you like. We're not going to make you eat carob or something. Yeah. You know, um, so that then you don't have as many cravings. You're not then because that's where people go crazy with it too. Is that they like they can't maintain it. They can't maintain like that long eight weeks with, and then we'll just go and have a whole day or they'll you know, miss one and then go, oh, well, I've already broken it for today, so every meal is going to be whatever. So they, like, avoid all of that kind of stuff, make sure that you have a good, healthy relationship with food. You are eating similar things that you like eating, um, but also hitting your goals and that kind of stuff too. Obviously, the closer you get to to fight time, the less we can sort of make it be exactly what you want to eat, but, you know, like... But it's not all the time. It's just sort of like 
closer to fight time. It's not is like it, every day of your life. Yeah, you know? well, every day I have like I obviously want to like there's an overall amount of calories that I need to have um, or, you know, I don't want to be going too far over to make sure that during those eight weeks that I am slowly dropping, yep. you know, so it'll just be targets of weights sort of oh we want to be in a ballpark of around this in this week and around yeah. this in this week yeah yeah it's not a every day it's not a we don't need to be checking that much and we just if you have any issues we just adjust things and it's only minor adjustments and they they work with a lot of people and bring them back if they've like ruined their metabolism to you know have them so you are still eating lots of food and you're eating frequently and you're eating the kind of things that you like even if it's not going out and getting Mexican, but you can have it at a home. version of that. Yeah, 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 and like very similar, like same, same. It's just making sure the proportions are right that you want quite a lot of meat and you want a lot of protein. You're yeah. probably going to have a little bit less carbs, but if you're training heaps and you're still in the training phase of the eight weeks, you're going to have a lot of that. So you know, and you're going to make sure that you've got some fiber in there and your other stuff as well. So you know, and and fats as well. So there's your yep. things like your cheese or your you know mayonnaise or whatever it is, aioli. Like yeah. So yeah, and I guess that plays a bigger role than people realise because of the the psychology behind it. Because you're not as bad. Like I'm craving everything that I know I can't eat. Yeah, yeah. Because you're eating things that you kind of enjoy. Yep. Um, or a ver- yeah, a version. A of. version of yeah. yeah. Do you, do you think it's um. I mean, in your experience, have you ever seen any sort of situations where because of not like dietary requirements, um, but like elective dietary requirements like vegan or or vegetarian Mm -hmm. would severely affect the ability to cut weight because it's not like the replacements of those things? Not really. Um, There's heaps of vegan athletes and vegetarian athletes. Obviously, they're need to be getting what they need to be getting so whether there's supplementation there as well um or you know they just eat very different things so they they still need to be making sure they're hitting the the amount of protein that they need but it'll just be coming from different sources so that's where a dietitian can also be handy if you like even if you're not an athlete but let's say you want to go vegan because of you know your choice your your choice you know um animal welfare and that kind of stuff but a lot of people have wrecked their bodies from just going straight vegan and not really knowing a lot about food and and what they can eat so they're just living off of you know like potato chips or just eating what they used to eat without the meat yeah replacing it yeah whereas like even a dietitian would be handy in that kind of um scenario to be like because they can open up your world because there's so much research and stuff that they've done um, into what those other alternatives are um, and things that you can eat that you'll probably still quite enjoy. Um, but, yeah, no, they work with such a wide variety um, and there's so many different things out there now that they can. Um, obviously, most of them uh, find it easiest if you eat meat. Yeah, yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, like, there's that many, yeah. um, like, plant proteins and all of that kind of stuff out there as yeah. well and just heaps of other things high in protein so they're really good to work with anyone um it more comes down to the type of person you are and if you're actually going to stick with stuff and, and they're doing a lot of research now at the moment about like personality traits and stuff and what what is um like what kind of personality traits people who find it like easier to stick to something possess and and what their thought process is so a lot of it if it's future based going like yeah you know the 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 pain now is worth the reward for later and you know if that's the people the kind of people that and those thoughts are what's going to help you through um versus the like the thoughts about right now Mm -hmm. um so yeah there's a lot of research going into all of that stuff at the moment which is really really interesting um interested to see what the results are yeah i think that'll help a lot of people because the idea of like a diet isn't always someone's like way to go um i i I did keto for a while i dropped heaps of weight i went from like uh 96 down to 80 uh 76 yeah so 20 kegs yeah um and then after that like just ballooned out like after i stopped that mental like i'm on a diet thing yeah see i think that's the issue though because it's like I just, if it's not maintainable, it's just, it's never going to be maintainable. 
but yeah, I think that like, um, I'm, uh, I've had better experiences with like the slow burn, like the, like just change how I, my lifestyle as opposed to go on a diet. Yeah. 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 And so, that's basically what I do with yeah. the dietitian. It's just literally about, well, we have to manipulate things as we get close to the competition because weight based sport, but yeah, that's what, and that's what I mean. Like they, they, preach and talk about is having that healthy relationship where you don't think that you're on a diet because the minute you think you're on something that you can't have something yeah that's when you crave things yeah like you know any regular day if you're not hungry and someone said oh hey do you want you know i don't know some kind of sweet or whatever and you you know you just ate you'd be like no i don't (laughs) yeah i'm not hungry but if you've known that you can't have it then you just crave it and you like like the amount of fighters and I do this too, because but I've always enjoyed watching cooking shows. But the amount of fighters when they're in camp yeah. that watch like food shows or cooking shows, like when I'm when I can't eat something, um, but I so like when I started, um, like I would avoid going out for dinner with people and avoid putting myself in those scenarios because I wasn't mentally equipped to deal with it. I felt to yeah. begin with okay. like it's hard, but now I can sit right next to someone eating something that I love. I'll be like, can I smell it? Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it brings me joy actually like cooking for someone else or watching them eat something that yeah. I would like to eat. Whereas it just would infuriate me to begin with when the yeah. first few, few times I'm yep. just like, I can smell a carb a mile away. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, I can smell rice being boiled <laughs> yeah. kind of thing, you know, <laughs> subway bread. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome now um i just realized that although like you're uh, it's actually good that you we got to that because um about like the start of the conversation i was like holy shit should we talk about food for an hour <laughs> yeah no yeah. i don't mind <laughs> yeah um and, and some people will never get past that though like some people can't deal with it it's like drinking or smoking people that are trying to quit they're like don't like it take myself out of that situation yeah yeah and then eventually i know people that have like not smoked for like seven years or whatever they're like oh i'm fine now but like initially they couldn't yeah but i think it's also got to do mentally and stuff as well like um I'm it's more likely to affect me if I'm having a mentally tough day something else has happened yeah and i'm not feeling great so now because I've looked at some of the research and, and, you know, I've probably self-reflected that I know that. Yep. So, you know, going to the supermarket, if I'm having a good mentally day, even if I haven't eaten in ages, I'll be okay. Yeah. If I'm having a rough day and I'm just smelling everything I can't have. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I'm thinking about it because, you know, when you get emotional and you want to eat something comfort. Yep. And so that's like... Four thousand fold. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that's that's a bit of it as well because I know I do get hangry at the best of times in normal life. Yeah. Um, but it's really it really is every time I look at something. Um, and like I always think this pointy end would be much worse. Yeah. Than earlier on because yeah. I'm eating even less. It's very restricted. It's less like the stuff that I like to eat or like I'm not eating at all today. Yeah. Um, that that would be the worst part. But because I'm so close to the goal, it's yeah. like nothing is going to shake me. Nothing is going to waver me. You could sit there and eat every one of my favorite f- food mm, yeah. in front of me, like D- have it drip on me or something, like throw it in my face and I'd be like, I'm not not going to have a single bite yeah. of it. Like, that doesn't phase me at all. But when it's further away, I feel like that can also sometimes be hard. Yeah. But because it's now closer, it's like mentally, I'm in that zone. There is nothing going to stop me from achieving my goal. Um, and I think that's the thing that I've learned to try and take with me earlier in the process now. And I think that's it, is it's always looking at, I want to fight more than I want to eat this thing. And, yeah. it, you know, and it's, might be slightly uncomfortable, but it's not that bad. It's in my mind that I'm craving it that bad. Yeah. And so, like, that becomes, I guess, your, your power there that you, you just reaffirm with yourself will know how bad do you want the end result. Yeah. Well, I want that really badly, so it's this means nothing. The, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I know in the previous episode we spoke, I just kept calling back to it, but um, we covered so much, it's a good reference. Um, <laughs> the, um, 
the previous episode we spoke a bit about um when you first started to do some of the like getting into into training um there was not a lot of um like female only classes or like for other females to um to practice with and a lot of the time you would have to like verse um other other guys yeah, I still like it's still like that. It's still like that. So like there's a lot of women's only classes and stuff in terms of like one element. So say jujitsu. Yeah. So you'll you'll see a lot of women only jujitsu classes. Um Muay Thai seems to be a fair bit of women in that, but sort of MMA there's still really only like usually one in a gym, maybe two. Yeah. Um in some places like Sydney where there's heaps of gyms and heaps of people around, there are some places where it's like they all train at other gyms, but they all go and do a class together to help spar each other and stuff at one particular place, yep. or they'll go to each other's gyms and stuff. It's still only a few generally at each one, okay. but, you know, in some of those places, they're lucky enough to have quite a few so they can do mm. that. Um but yeah, I mean, like, there's getting to be more and more in the sport, which is great. And, um, yeah, people are open to doing that, like going, traveling to another gym, even if it is local or whatever, to go and spar with, you know, some other girls. But yep. generally, I always train with guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, no, I I mean, it probably... how it is. When you're versing people that are in, like, a higher weight limit than you, hmm. um, it probably comes in handy i guess to have had that training with someone that in most cases would be heavier or bigger than you or stronger like even if they're the same weight division than you a male is always going to be stronger than yep. you so that's the thing too um the the only downside is women use their bodies very differently yeah very differently um but if you have some form of understanding of that then you're okay um when you're always grappling people bigger than you or, or sparring people bigger than you, um, you do have to learn to use technique. You can't just strength through it. So I think that's why female fighters generally are quite technical. Yeah. Um, as opposed to just brute strengthing something. Um, however, you do need to, like, if you can go in grappling comps so you understand how women use their bodies when they grapple, because um, it's differently because we're heavy set like in the lower body versus upper body mm. and obviously so there's a fair bit of difference in how they use their body but also you got to remember if you're always sparring people on the feet striking who are heaps longer and taller than you you need to also find sparring partners that are at least a similar size ish yep because otherwise your game plan is gonna like you would never fight someone you know i would never fight someone seven foot tall mm, mm. and you know arms twice the length as me so what i would need to do to spar with them in the gym is completely different to what any of my um tactics would ever be when i fight but it's good to know them and work on different things as well um but in the same respect like it's good to always spar with people smaller than you like even if they're stronger than you because they're a guy yep. but at least like have different reaches different body types different weights different sizes like yeah. i think i think it's a good thing as long as everyone's train. looking after each other yeah. and you and you obviously train in a gym where you do that mm -hmm. obviously there are some old school places that still try and have fights before fights and they all take each other's heads off and i don't think that's the way to go in this day and age because you probably won't have a very long career yep and you will get cte but yeah um yeah. if you're in a, a good safe gym then you should be able to spar with everyone yeah yeah uh, that um that all rounds everything off well i feel like this is um like a good second episode to round off the first one <laughs> um, i'm going to drop in a note here if you haven't listened to the first episode that i did um go i'll um put that one in the description for the playback so yeah everyone yeah, awesome. everyone that hasn't seen the first one should go back because it covered off a lot of a lot of cool things but i'll wrap it up with some f like last last yeah. bit this is a pre-fight interview um the pre-play will go out on monday so that'll be post-fight so yes it will i want two reactions tell me tell me tell me like what <laughs> do you think what do you think what do you think the two reactions are going to be you got win loss it's all win though isn't it yeah 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 so there's no other reaction no okay so i want you to go back into the camera the camera that one because it's the replay 
and tell yourself in the future about how you're going to win this fight. <laughs> oh, jeez. Well, no, we're, tell yourself how you feel because you know you're going to win, right? Yeah, so we're going to be celebrating that TKO. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I feel like I just fucking forced you to do something weird. Um, no, nah, it's good. No, no, go me. Um, we'll be enjoying some great celebratory food, maybe even some cake. <laughs> Finally. After all the cutting. So, yeah, I don't know. It's weird because we're doing like a live show pre-fight and a replay will go up post-fight. Yeah, so, yeah. I figured it was like a perfect time to be like, talk to yourself in the future. <laughs> um, but, yeah, all right. Well, what can we... Um, what can we see for the for the for the upcoming fights? What's um, what's any shout outs or plugs or anything oh, that you've got? I've got so many. <laughs> um, so Run obviously through. tonight uh, is weigh-ins. Tomorrow yep. I'm fighting on Enduro Fight Series here in Canberra. If anyone is interested in actually watching it, there is a live stream because the live show sold out. Sold out. Yeah, yeah. So the, being there in person, tickets are all gone. It's been sold out. So, but there is a stream, and I believe it's on the Combatants um, app or platform. Yep. Um, so you can obviously have a look there. Um, big thank you for me um, to my sponsors and just the businesses that I work with and that support me. So I've got like Dark Forge, which is a tattoo studio in um, Newcastle, and they are incredible. Uh, Victory Recovery Systems got some really cool gear. Um, Jolt Fightwear and Savage Fightwear. Um, Dirty Clean Eats, which if you've ever watched my um, Instagram stories when I'm drinking that weird orange stuff, yeah. Jammu, that's that's them. That's um, Cage and Canvas, which is an Aussie um, company that makes uh, like boxing and MMA gear. Some really, really cool stuff there as well. Um, and pretty much uh, everyone that supports me, I just want to say a big thank you. Um, and my gym, which is Nova Martial Arts, which is in Heatherbrae, which is also obviously in Newcastle. Um, so it's not just me fighting tonight. It's also one of my training partners, Asif. Yep. Um, so... Yeah, we're both both fighting tomorrow night, so it should be really good. Yep. Um, and I've actually got another fight lined up for later this year, but yeah. I've also potentially got some other news in the works, yep. um, potentially. So stay tuned uh, on my social media. So I'm Drop Bear MMA on across everything, everything. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So you know, yeah. Um, <laughs> I feel like that's the real like post-fight win speech all right so yeah just mentally take that and you know how sometimes you get the interview and it's just going to be like really short yeah that's the extended version the full breakdown of all the people that you want to thank right yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah but just follow me on uh on social media drop bear mma um and yeah reach out to me if you ever want to um if you ever take any photos just throw up the claws and yeah tag me like I see everything, I run my own social media. Yeah. So there's no one else you, you'll actually get me. <laughs> yeah, and you know, if anyone wants to follow my fight journey, just yeah, find me there. Yeah, cool. Yeah, well, uh, check all that out, and um, yeah, the everything is all on all on the socials, which yeah. is awesome. Yeah. I I like that it's all in one place, and it's all it's all across all the platforms. I even follow you on Twitch too. Follow the Twitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there could be more content coming up. Um, but yeah, cheers for uh, cheers for being on the show. And um, Thanks I, for having I, me. I know you've got a fight for Goulburn coming up as yeah, well. Yeah, main event in Goulburn yeah. um, in April. So. Yeah, so a lot of the people that follow my socials are Canberra-based, so that's not actually too far away. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. if you want to see anything in person and you um, obviously can't make it to tonight, you can watch the stream if you're checking this out live. Yeah. Um, and if you're watching the replay over there, um, make sure you, uh, yeah, check Get out the socials for, for that one. Yeah. Because uh, Goblin's a not-too-far-away not trip. And that's it. it'll be a good one. So yeah, cheers everyone for tuning in, and um, yeah, yeah, thanks, thanks for, for being on. Me. Oh, we got we got to do the sign off on this side. Yeah, bye. Okay, and then off and on then this side. There we go. <laughs> cheers. Don't buy me a drink. Just name names. Yeah, so yeah right. Big Tony. You'll get fucking thrown out of the strip club with your floppy disk yeah, all day. Make people feel shame for shit all day. Don't blow it into a hard drive. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> We're here to keep it simple. Count your money. That they're not proud of. Just give me ten bucks. All right. They've declared your winner by unanimous decision from the red corner, Danielle Drupbeck.
thanks. So I'll let you get right to it. How special does that feel? It is amazing. Uh, for those of you that don't know, yes, I'm fighting out of Nova Martial Arts in Newcastle, but I am a Canberra girl. That's why I know so many people here. Firstly, thank you to my amazing opponent. She's one tough, tough cookie, and I can't thank her enough. Secondly, Ben and Mick, this is an incredible show, especially for their first one. Thank you to all my sponsors, Dark Forge Tattoo in Newcastle. They are fucking amazing. Sorry for the swearing. Victory Recovery Systems, as Savage Fightwear, Joel Fightwear, Dirty Clean Eats, Run It Back Podcast, and Cajun Canvas. And thank you to my amazing team from Nova Martial Arts. Couldn't have done it without them. And um, thank you to my amazing crew over there. They mean the world to me. Thank you to every single one of you that showed up and especially my boyfriend, Jared. He's my Dwayne Johnson, as I call him, because he's my rock. <laughs> thank you so much to everyone here. If you take any photos, if you throw up the drop bear tonight, Tag me, message me. Every single social media account I have is Drop Bear MMA. So find me, reach out to me. I'll answer every single one of you. Thank you, guys. I love you so much. You're all amazing. Have a great night. Ladies and gentlemen, your winner, Danielle Curtis.